You're listening to For the Republic, a love letter to Star Wars animation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of For the Republic, a love letter to Star Wars animation. I am one of your co-hosts, Andrew, and I am so excited to get this started finally. I've had this in mind for the longest time, and I am so excited to bring this to life. We are all Star Wars fans here. We've loved Star Wars for, I mean, in my case, as long as I can remember. I literally have no memories where Star Wars is not. A factor in my life but recently at least for me the animated stuff has always been a main source of passion for me and we'll talk about everything star wars uh but the main thing we're going to be doing here is we're going to be going through the clone wars animated series to start off with and go arc by arc talking about the big themes that stick out to us, what we liked, maybe what we didn't like, but we're mainly going to be focusing on why animation is such a great medium for Star Wars storytelling. But I'm not alone here on this journey. Joining me are, we've got Connor, we've got Jake, and we've got Don. Introduce yourselves, guys. How are you? What's up, guys? Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm happy to talk uh, the Clone Wars movie. Uh, probably one of my favorite pieces of Star Wars content. Yep, I'm Jake. Uh, I would honestly feel the same way. I freaking love this movie. Uh, I'm Donovan. Uh, this is and uh, this is actually kind of a an interesting experience for me because I haven't seen the Clone Wars movie in years, and I had somewhat of a negative opinion of it and previously. And this is actually like the most fun I've had watching the movie in forever. So it's it's, it's going to be a fun time. Yeah, I had a very similar experience that I'll get into once we get to the main discussion. But I have been pretty negative. I mean, the the show itself I adore, but I've been pretty negative on this movie uh, for at least since I started my first watch of the show a couple years ago. But watching this back and actually like getting some stuff ready to analyze, it was a lot more enjoyable than I was expecting. But before we start off, another thing that I want to focus on here is not only our love for Star Wars, but what made us have that love for Star Wars? What brought us to become a part of this fandom and and what really got us in love with the franchise? So something I I want to do is whenever we have a new person on this show, a guest or a co-host or something, I want to ask them... What was the thing that, that made you a fan? What was your earliest memory with the franchise? So... If we want to just go around real quick and just tell a, a quick story before we get to the movie, whoever wants to start off. I'll start. So my Star Wars story, uh, it's pretty uh, fragmented, at least early on. Um, I I think about four or five, I remember watching really the action bits of Phantom Menace, uh, specifically Duel of the Fates, and Return of the Jedi, specifically the Battle of Endor and the Battle Above the Pit of Carcoon. And just, I kind of just really got into it through that. Um, I grew up with the special editions, so like 
pretty much everything in them I'm cool with. And then saw Revenge of the Sith at eight years old, cried my eyes out at Order 66, as one should. And um, I kind of... I started to get into the Clone Wars. I remember... My nostalgia for the Clone Wars is actually the first season, specifically the first few arcs, and a bit of season two. I had a friend, like, I'm pretty sure, I'm sure all of us had, like, that one Star Wars friend we hung out with, and that really, really, really got us into um, Star Wars. He and I haven't chatted chatted about Star Wars in forever. He became one of those, like, Legends people. No disrespect to him, but, like, it's not what I vibe with. Um, but he still was a big part of my of my Star Wars foundation. Watched Clone Wars when I was in middle school. And then I kind of just fell out of it. Um, oh, no. I also, also complete saga, Lego game. Really good. Really, really, oh, yeah. really, really made me love the prequels. Oh, for a sure. A lot more than I thought I would specifically attack of the clones which is my favorite star wars movie um best missions in that game camino incredible um and geonosis too yep fell out of star wars not because i didn't hate it or anything was just because high school and cross country just took up all the time and so running was my star wars for about five years i was still into it but not as passionately as i am now and then uh, freshman year of college was 2016 for me. Rogue One came out. That was nis- that was honestly my reintroduction into Star Wars because it wasn't because it was a movie set. It was a non Skywalker saga movie that helped expand the universe and characters. And so in that case, I was like, "Ooh, this is interesting. This is very EU like to me." And so now I'm just a huge proponent of the extended canon material uh, since since then. So, yeah, it's, it's been a journey. Yeah, uh, I can go next. Um, I, I will never forgive my father for this, but uh, he had me watch <laughs> Return of the Jedi first. That was the first oh. one that I watched. Ooh, <laughs> what? Oh. This just ruins the whole thing, right? Yeah. What the yeah. hell? Oh, well, you know okay. how this ends. No problem. It, it was sort of an accident, honestly. He was watching it, and I was like five, and I was like, "Ooh, what's that? That looks cool." He's like, "Star Wars," and we watched it. I was like, "Oh, that's cool. I want to watch more." He's like, "Okay," um, but yeah. So we quickly watched the rest thereafter. So it was right before Revenge of the Sith was coming out because I remember I had just been like fresh off of watching all the other ones when Revenge of the Sith was releasing, and uh, my mom had heard that it was too scary for kids. And so I never got to go see that one in theaters, even though I wanted to really, really bad. Um, another thing I'll never forgive my mother for, for never letting me see that one in theaters. But <laughs> I obviously was hooked instantly. So I was like living off of like the 2003 Clone Wars um, animated show. That was like my thing. I had both volumes of those on DVD and I would watch it all the time. Uh, and then like when the Clone Wars show came out and movie, obviously that was like my big thing for the longest time. Um, and then sort of similar to Connor, I sort of let like my Star Wars obsession fall on the back burner for a little bit until when I was like 15 or 16, I accidentally let it slip some like really obscure random fact about the Clone Wars to my entire hockey team. And they're like, how the hell do you know that? And I was like, no reason, 
at all that I know this really, really random thing. <laughs> and um, from there, I just kind of let it blossom fully. Um, sort of like Connor, too. Rogue One was really more my reintroduction back into Star Wars, more so than The Force Awakens was, just because, like, I only saw The Force Awakens once in theaters. I honestly Same. didn't love it. Um, I watched it, like, once when it came out on physical months later, and then that was kind of it up until, like, the Rogue One hype. And then, like, by the time Rogue One had come out, that was when I had my car. I was literally driving to the theater every single day after school to go watch that movie. And obviously from there, it's just gotten worse. I All I do is Star Wars now. I went to Star Wars Celebration in 2019 and really wish I could go this year. But um, COVID. Um, but, yeah, now I'm on a freaking podcast. So, obviously, I have an unhealthy obsession with Star Wars. Yeah, I don't even, like, just the thought of celebration just gets me upset. Because I have had those tickets for uh, three years at this point, And I, I can't go. because I, I refunded mine right off the bat. Because I was like, there's no I should have done that. But right, I was like, oh, no it's in August, right? This right? And they're like, nope, it's May. And I'm like, oh, well, I can't go. And I've been holding off until, like, the last time. And it's like, no, they... they they're on sale again, so they're they're not gonna move it. And I'm like, I gotta sell these. So hopefully I'll be able to do that. But we'll see y'all in 2024. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope so. That's about right. I hope the I can only make good it. thing is I, I am in the process of booking a Galaxy's Edge trip. So that is my that is my substitute celebration. There you but, go. There we go. Yeah. Uh Don, if you want to go, and then I'll I'll round things off before we get yeah. to the, the main course. Yeah, sure. So okay, so like I've been a Star Wars fan since I was like six years old. Uh, my parents rented The Phantom Menace on VHS from, from Blockbuster. Uh, and uh, they, they screened it that night because they, they wanted to make sure I, it, would be a, it would be suitable for me to watch. Because uh, I, I, I scared easily as a kid with, with some things. Uh, and... <laughs> And I remember, I remember sneaking downstairs because I couldn't sleep that night. And I snuck downstairs and I watched about half of the movie with them both. And I was just, I remember just being transfixed by everything: the pod race, the the blasters, the lightsabers, all of it. And I was just like so enamored with this movie and this universe that, like, the next day I woke up in the morning in my pajamas. It was the weekend, so I was like, I just watched the whole thing. <laughs> immediately again all the way through because i was just like this is a this is the best thing i've ever seen uh and I, I just carried on uh from there i i i watched through the entire original trilogy later that year i was bowled over by it uh i went to see attack of the clones for, for my eighth birthday in 2002 and uh i went to see revenge of the sith and i remember feeling this kind of like this almost kind of sadness that this this really huge thing that had just like it, it bowled me over was was ending, and so the Clone Wars was kind of this like this kind of like important thing in a way because it was like it was keeping the flame alive of Star Wars in a sense, like just sustaining it right up until like the the sequel films came along and revived that because like I I remember going to see force awakens in in 2015 and just feeling the chills that like came from seeing the logo come back and all of that and it's just been it's been great to kind of get deeper and deeper into the into the universe and like meet people and and sh and share perspectives on everything so yeah so it's all been very dope awesome 
All right. So with me, I got to thank everything and why I became this, you know, Star Wars dork that I am. Uh, all because of my grandfather. When I was like, it had to have been four or five years old because it was it was sometime after Attack of the Clones came out. But I don't know if it was like right after or like a couple years before. I mean, after. But he showed me the original trilogy on VHS, uh, and I was hooked from that moment and it just became my entire life uh i got really big into the figure collecting aspect which i know jake and i have in common um but that was really big when i was a kid but it was it was always one of those things where i would go and i would never have like you know the characters that made sense like I didn't have an Anakin my entire childhood, but I'd have like eighty clone troopers and a bunch. You of had, you had, you'd had a lot of I'm glub like, shittos. Yeah, I'm like I could never find an Anakin, but you know, Those I got, were the best figures are the glub shittos. Though <laughs> I, I had so guy. many clone figures as a kid, it was yeah. it's nuts. But then I were like the lead up to Revenge of the Sith is really what I have a lot of nostalgia for because I did grow up in the prequel era. The originals were what hooked me, and I love them, but like. The prequels were just as much as my like love for Star Wars in my childhood. Those were my movies, uh, and then I, I I I still have like the teaser trailer for Revenge of the Sith. Like it's it's permanently ingrained in my memory. Is oh, is this the one that... with Obi Wan with A New Hope? Obi Wan. Yeah, Vader was yep. seduced yep. by the dark side. Oh, right. It's such a like, God, such a it badass is, trailer. I still think that's Chills. my favorite Star Wars trailer of all time. Like, I still have that hooked. And then the problem is, is there's there's a gap in my memory somewhere because I don't remember if I saw Revenge of the Sith in theaters first or if we had to wait until it came out on DVD. But I just remember the first, like, I, I do remember the experience. I just don't remember where it was. And I just remember, like, seeing Order 66 for the first time and... You know, Anakin's fall. It just—it's all like, it's a movie that's that's forever stuck with me. And then the the Lego games and and everything was just that was my childhood for the longest time. I remember playing the hell out of that first uh, Lego Star Wars game. And then I remember like we didn't have uh, Wi-Fi in my house for the longest time. I, I don't think we got like a stable Wi-Fi connection until like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. If that. So I remember like for the first time going on like I, I think I looked up like one of the prequel battles on YouTube and I remember all the comments were, yo, these movies are terrible, like because it was prime like the prequels suck era. Prime prime prequel yeah. hate, baby. And I, I just uh, remember being I'm so, so glad like, I missed that. <laughs> I remember being so like, wait, what? Because those were my like childhood. Everyone at my school loved those movies. I loved those movies. So I, I, I was, was just, the same. I know. So I was just so like thrown off that there was like at the time it was like the number one cool thing was to to hate the prequels. Well, it's it's almost like things repeat uh over time. <laughs> and that just threw me off. But then Clo the, the Clone Wars movie came out and, and that one I actually did see in theaters. So there's a chance that what we're gonna be talking about is my first theatrical Star Wars experience ever. Uh, and then I, I watched like the first season, maybe a bit into the second, because I remember watching some Cad Bane stuff when it first came out. And then I just don't know why I just stopped. Like Same. I always just loved Star Wars, but I just I didn't keep up with Clone Wars. Like I remember 
we had those like book fairs when we were a kid and they had a Clone Wars book and like Savage was on the cover. I'm like, who the I hell is that? Those like, books. Oh my who, god. Who is that like Savage mall pretender? Oh my god. And then I remember Yeah, seeing, right. Like, He's a mall pretender. Yeah. <laughs> and then I remember seeing like the announcements. It's like Dark Maul is back. I'm like, what? And then oh. that was like right around the time of Phantom Menace 3D, which I wish I saw in theaters. And I I, I then I got a bit back into it, and then I will always remember the day that it was announced that Lucasfilm got purchased by Disney. And then that just started a whole bunch of discussions with my friends. Cause we'd always have those hypothetical, like what if they did, you know, in episode nine and uh, that, that live action series that Lucas was working on was always like a big discussion topic. Like what are we going to see in this show? And then like right around the lead up to force awakens, I just became like the, Oh, this is just my life now. And I just embraced it. Uh, and I was known as, you know, oh, yeah, the guy that liked Star Wars in high school, which I was fine with my junior and senior year. What better way to go out? Yeah, and I now was known we're as the Star Wars same. guy in college. And now we're here at that point. I started rewatching Clone Wars, like in the lead to Force Awakens, and now I'm uh, hosting a podcast about it. So, you know, it's just being shown those VHS tapes. God, almost 20 years ago at this point. Actually, I think 20 years ago exactly. And here we are now. It has taken over my life. Before we get started onto our dive into the Clone Wars, I want to make a quick shout out to the Amidala Initiative, a collaborative community campaign to raise funds for Texas LGBTQ youth that are at risk for these harmful new bills that are going on. Uh, just to support and advocate for those families that are struggling in this time. Uh, it's a cause that all of us here at For the Republic care about a lot. We hate what's going on right now with all these harmful bills that are impacting LGBTQ youth. And this initiative is run by Star Wars fan creators. And I think it's a perfect cause to match with our first episode of the show. So I will leave a link to their Twitter and their GoFundMe in the podcast description and definitely check them out. It's a cause that you should all definitely support. It was nice to go down memory lane there, but now we can get into the Clone Wars movie itself, which came out in 2008. This was our first Star Wars content we had in three years because George was like, Revenge of the Sith is it. You're never getting anything ever again, except uh, this. Uh, and I, I remember being, when this first came out, I remember being confused because we had the 2d clone wars show which i know is one of jake's favorite things of all time goaded yeah and i good i missed it when i was a kid it was it was one of my uh like knowledge gaps but i remember seeing like like merch for it and like random like books scholastic books for it and stuff but i remember hearing that this clone wars movie was coming out and one of my memories for this is also related to figure collecting because i remember seeing i think it was some clone wars figures on the shelf and i got a a a clone because i already had about 40 of them but i need the you know the new model obviously and uh an r2 and i remember one of them said you know get this and you can mail in for a captain rex and i was like who the heck is captain rex my (laughs) 10 year old brain had no idea who this guy was but i got it i mailed it in uh and that was you know, mail-in figures are really like a, a thing of like the seventies and the eighties. You really don't hear about that like at all anymore because it's just like such a like old concept. But that was my one 
experience for it. A lot of the older Star Wars generation, like I think there was that. I'm forgetting the name of that documentary that came out a couple of years ago, but there was all the talk about that male and Boba Fett that was like a big talking point. That was my male and Boba Fett was this Captain Rex, and then except that Captain Rex doesn't sell for two hundred. It, yeah, it doesn't sell. Now. It's Yo. not the most valuable piece of Star Wars merchandise anymore. That's just a Lego set that I realized I had that sells for almost four hundred that we figured out before we started recording <laughs> this. Um, I'm not. I'm not making that now. Um, and I just remember we were on a vacation. My grandma and I, we were going to Massachusetts, I think, for some like baseball thing when I was 10. And we stopped on the ride there and saw the Clone Wars movie, which I was like, holy crap, we're going to see Star Wars? And I just remember being like, okay, here's Anakin and Obi-Wan again. And I was trying to figure out, like, where does this take place? Because they look like the Revenge of the Sith stuff, but this is supposed to be like right after Attack of the Clones. Um. But I remember enjoying it when I was a kid, and then I think we stopped in McDonald's afterwards, and they had the Clone Wars toys, and they were just really shitty. They just had, like, the big heads and, like, a little tiny ship. But I think my grandma was like, all right, do you have all of them? And they were like, yeah. It's like, all right, we'll take them. So I have that entire Clone Wars (laughs) still in my storage room. So that was my memory with this for the longest time. But then, I, I don't I did not have positive thoughts about this movie for the longest time. I thought it was really boring. I, I I did not care for, I mean, I love Ahsoka now. She is in my top five, probably of all time. I, I just adore the character. I did not like her at first and we'll get into some stuff. Why, but rewatching this, I it's the most I've enjoyed it since then. Like I said, I don't know if I still love it as a movie, but as a introductory arc, I think it really does the job. So I think I've talked. Okay. About random that. side note: I just found out that Shmi Skywalker is playable in the Lego Skywalker Saga, which is great because I can beat the shit out of Palpatine and Shmi Skywalker. Let's go! There we go. <laughs> oh, oh, that boy. is the best news I've heard regarding that game. That is amazing. Well, I also heard that shirtless Ben Solo is a playable character. Oh, so. there we go. But That's when are we going to get to play as Qui Gon Jim, though? Qui Gon Jim, like Ben Ben Swallow and Qui Gon Jim teaming up with Shmi Skywalker to beat the shit out of Palpatine. Beat That's the shit out of Palpatine twice. That sounds. That Let's sounds. Go! Like... <laughs> that I sounds good to me. So hyped for that game. I think I might just do an entire episode just on that game when it comes we out. Might, like, we might. We should. We that, might have to. Or that would at least be that's going to be at least a discussion topic. We got to do uh, two. We're going to have to do two episodes. Oh, yeah. There's going to be. Like, it's supposed to be, so like, much. massive. Yeah. I'm like, I saw that the first, that trailer they put out a couple months ago. I'm like, why does this look like the most, like, best, like, open world Star Wars game we've ever had? But it's, say, a it's literally game. open world. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you can go to all these planets. I'm like, why is this so cool? Like, this is no <laughs> right to be as good. The first ever Star Wars game to have. Uh, space to planet side combat. Oh, that's, that's I'm gonna amazing. I'm I'm gonna just ascend. Yeah, it's, I'm like, it's, oh, it's, now... it's, it, it's it's porn. It's straight up just yes. It's, it's, like, now, I I know to now I know yeah. why it took five years to freaking release. We have like... to change the first t- uh, episode title to just discussion about the Lego Star Wars. We're not talking about the Clone Wars. We're movie not anymore. talking about the Clone Wars. Sorry, guys. Uh, we started and then the Shmi news broke, and that's. That's all we we talked about here. But news. 
I mean, we, we obviously talked about what our first experiences with Clone Wars were, but you know, I don't remember anything. I remember yeah. going into the theater and then like I'm pretty sure I was pretty jazzed up walking out of the theater. I can't really remember. I remember I had like a I had like a shirt with the Clone Wars poster on it, but it was like one of those like swim oh, nice. shirts where it's yeah. like really, really tight. Uh, so I had that. That was like my only piece of the Clone Wars movie merch I ever had. So that was fun. Yeah, I mean, I remember watching it, and then I, I don't remember what my thoughts were. I just remember, yeah, I, I saw that in the theater. And yeah. then I got it on DVD that Christmas, and I don't remember ever watching that DVD. So that might have been... I never saw it in the theaters. Time. I went right to the DVD team, and I watched the movie almost as much as I watched Clone Wars 2003 on DVD. Like I was obsessed with it. Yeah, I I, see, I remember seeing it in the in the uh, cinema, and I I remember I remember having positive thoughts when I came out of it because like I was just thrilled to get more Star Wars. I was like, oh, I didn't think I'd go and see a Star Wars movie in the cinema again. So it was really it was really cool. And I remember having a more negative view as time went on, and I saw some of the later stories and i was like oh wow this it, it it's it's got so much like more sophisticated in a sense uh and, and there was like certain plot points that i look back on and i was like eh, that's that's kind of weird that does, that doesn't really track now though uh being more ensconced in like star wars like lore or at least the canon timeline with with like you know the high republic books and other stuff and i'll, I'll mention high republic again a bit later on but it's it's really interesting how now the film feels a lot more. Uh, it feels a lot more. Uh, the word is, is is eluding me, but it's a lot more entertaining than I thought it would be on revisitation. And it actually, a lot of the plot points I thought were kind of dumb in retrospect. They actually make a lot of sense, and they're actually like they actually are interesting, like to consider in the story. Yeah, my view for this and the mainly the first season of Clone Wars in general was like, it gets so much better later on, at least in my view that I was just always like, ah, you just got to get through this stuff before you get to the good stuff. But there was quite a bit of stuff upon rewatch and actually like sitting down and absorbing it, like in a critical eye for the first time in a while, there was a lot that I enjoyed that stuck out. The, 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 the big thing to start off is, is, the very first thing, that Lucasfilm introduction where you just hear the clones, I don't remember that at all. But I remember being like, oh, what a way to start off. Like, yeah. And then hearing Agreed. the Clone Wars fanfare for the first time, I was incredibly like pumped up. Like, here the thing we that's go. great about hearing those clone voices at the start, too, is when they brought that back for the Clone Wars Season 7 saved trailer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I was, yep. did I, oh, that yeah. hits differently now that I now that right? I made that connection. Yeah. And it, and it also makes it feel more cinematic, and it really gets across the wartime feel. The, both that and the subsequent narration from Tom Kane, which I loved hearing uh, each episode. Can we just, like, start off by, like, praising like uh tom kane's voice acting and like the awesome kind of like world war ii era uh uh broadcast type voice that he does for this it really it's amazing is it's really it's... cool the way they did that what yeah. especially with this movie though that i think is really neat is like you said don like they really lean into that sort of like 
historical war feel with a lot of these moments. Like when they arrive on Teth, that is literally like apocalypse now. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. 1970s war film. Like that is oh just so gosh. cool how they really leaned into that with this movie that I feel was sort of lacking in the actual series itself. Like it more so was inspired by Star Wars. Whereas yeah. this movie to me actually feels like the stuff that inspired Star Wars, which is why I love it so much. Well, see, that's an interesting point as well, because like, so so this, I didn't know, I had forgotten that this movie was, that Dave Filoni directs this movie. And there's there's some cinematography uh, the, going on that's actually really interesting because it evokes a lot of um, wartime movies, like like you said about mm -hmm. the, the, the test sequence evoking Apocalypse Now, uh, but also the, the Christophsis battle, there was a lot of sh there's a lot of shaky cam style shots yep. in a lot of the battle that very feel very much kind of like saving private ryan especially with a lot of the casualties that happen and like some of the more brutal elements that, that actually kind of surprised me because like you think that the show gets like darker and more violent later on but there's actually quite a few like violent and and, and darker moments in just this movie alone well, there's that scene with Jabba when uh, the bounty hunters arrive with the four severed heads, and it's exactly. like, "You're just made for kids." Jeez. Like, yeah, geez. I was very thrown. I was like, "Whoa!" Like we're just showing that. Okay, it's like, back it's the to the shaky cam, though. Like yeah. you said, it grounds you so much because you have to think, like, other than a couple random pieces, like you know, the holiday specials and Clone Wars 2003. This was like the first big piece of Star Wars animation that was really like meant for like general audiences, I feel like. And yeah. obviously that's got to be hard to ground those audiences from a franchise that has almost entirely been in live action. And they actually do a really great job of that by doing like, like you said, that shaky cam and there's a lot of like focus changes in various scenes and like it feels like they actually sat down with actors and shot this like it almost like. I almost forget I'm watching animation at times, even though it is that kind of caricature and like very not lifelike animation. The, the cinematography work that they do through this animation is just brilliant in like making it feel real and tangible. Yeah. And like the final thing I'll add to that is like it, it actually kind of showcases like Dave Filoni's overall style as a director, which I've kind of noticed now Look, looking at both this and the later live action work that he does in the Mandalorian and the book of Boba Fett, where he's, he's very clearly drawing from a lot of, of the stuff that has inspired star Wars. So there's a mm -hmm. lot of like Western influences, samurai influences, and he's very uh, sincere about, about putting them up there and just saying, yes, look, this is what I'm drawing from. This is, this is the stuff that has inspired this. And this is the stuff that continues to kind of like fuel uh, the kind of stories that we tell in this universe. He's very unapologetic about that, and that is probably the thing that I appreciate most about Dave Filoni, is he yeah. really does, he fully embraces, like like you said, like that Western aspect, that samurai aspect. He just, he goes all in on those sort of things, and I, I personally, I feel like that's what I love the most about Star Wars, is not when Star Wars is inspired by Star Wars, it's when Star Wars is inspired by other things. And that, to me, is just so freaking cool, that. seeing that, like, mosh pot of just different stories from decades past like it's just so freaking cool agreed yeah i agree with that uh i mean i i think the way that they started off with the christophsis battle is like you the perfect opening hook kind of like how revenge of the sith starts off with the battle over coruscant like it's always just ingrained in your minds Rewatching this i was like this is such a 
really like nice opening battle scene to start off with. You've got your typical like Obi-Wan and Anakin moments that are like defined by the Clone Wars. Uh, there was a lot in this that completely mirrored what we see at the beginning of the Siege of Mandalore arc, which I just yep. looking how it all comes full circle all those years back. And when Definitely. we get to that, it's just going to be so like sweet to see. We get introduced to Rex and other members of the 501st for the first time, which was great to see because Rex is just one of my absolute favorite characters. It's a really nice battle to start things off. This is, of course, the last time that um, we see Christopher Lee as Count Dooku, which is upsetting. And yeah. as of now, it's the last time we've seen Sam Jackson as Mace Windu, although if, if he has his way, that'll not... <laughs> the way things are going. Yeah. I, I mean... <laughs> My thoughts on that are like flashbacks are fine, but I think that no. him showing up in the Mandoverse timeline nope. cheapens Anakin's nope. turn so nope. much, and nope. I don't know. Nope. I don't, don't want. No, nope. give me flashbacks. Yeah, if, if we get flashbacks, people back from the dead, please. Yes, please. The only like, I don't one I was cool with was Palpatine, but like Maul and all the. Well, Maul was the test Maul, run. Maul, Maul, honestly, is the only one I'm okay with. All the yeah. other ones that have come back from the dead, well, Boba Fett, I'm, I'm okay with it. Well, Boba Somehow Fett's been Mace a thing since, returns. like, the 90s. Somehow so Mace Windu returned. And with Boba Fett, I was like, ah, oh, that's such a bitch way to go out. Like, they gotta bring him back. And I was gonna say, so sure. much of the yeah. Star Wars legends just had Boba Fett as alive, too. Yeah. So it's all, it, it honestly kind of felt like he never actually died. When yeah, he exactly. Yeah, he was just... like, ah, He's taking a break. He'll be back. He's just he was wrestling. in limbo. Yeah. It, so to to yeah. bring it back to Clone Wars, how wild is it though to hear uh, both both Christopher Lee and Samuel L. Jackson's voices coming out of these animated versions? Because like I've seen the show for so long that I I got almost used to hearing the the respective voice actors. So yeah. it's such a surreal experience to it hear Christopher is, Lee. Right. Just hear Christopher Dude, Lee I didn't doing know the lines. Sam Jackson voiced Mace until you told me before we started recording, Don. Like, I straight yeah. up didn't know. I knew Christopher Lee was Dooku. That's pretty easy to tell, but, like, yeah. maybe it's just the way um, Sam it's, Jackson, it's, like, changed his voice. But, like, it yeah. just didn't... It sounded different. From what I feel bad for not knowing the Clone Wars actor's name. I believe he was a guy. Count Dooku. I know I, that. Yeah, Mace Corey Mace, though, the guy um, that does Mace does a phenomenal job of mirroring Sam. Yeah, Jackson. he, he yeah. does Terrence, a really. Terrence C. Carson is his. There name. we go. Terrence, okay. Terrence C. Carson. He does. He does a very nice job. What I didn't know, uh, when I was doing some research, is apparently before Matt Lanner was cast as Anakin, they approached Hayden Christensen about voicing Anakin in this movie, but they no. decided to go with Matt Lanner, and that was one of the things I wrote down is. There's a couple things that feel off to me about this movie. The animation is one of them. I, the, the the cinematography itself, like the way the planets look, I love. The way the characters look at points, eh, don't really love. And there are certain points where it just looks very unfinished. And I'm like, whoa. And I think I realized that was my problem with the movie for the longest time. It wasn't the movie itself, but how it looked compared to the series. But one thing I did notice is maybe it was just because they were trying to experiment with the style, but like Matt Lanner and James Arnold Taylor voice Anakin and Obi-Wan differently in this movie than I feel like they do in the rest of the series. Like Obi-Wan's cadence sure. is, is like way different in this one. I don't know if it was just because he was still 
voicing him how he did in the the micro series but like anakin's he's got more of like a high-pitched tone to his voice and kenobi like it's just a more like a slowed like relaxed cadence but it also has kind of like a swagger to it especially during the the later vengeance fight which i did like but oh yeah there there's definitely some some growing pains in, in in development i would say where they were trying to figure out how it works but we get this opening battle and Obi-Wan starts talking and he's like, all right, so my new Padawan's arriving. And we kind of see that, you know, he was kind of playing with Anakin and this was always the the plan that Yoda and Obi-Wan had. But yep. real quickly, the, the alternate universe where Obi-Wan is Ahsoka's master and not Anakin. Oh, how would that have, how yeah. would that have turned out? I was, well, that was my exact yeah. thought when uh, watching the movie. I was like, oh, yeah, imagine if she had been Obi-Wan's Padawan. Like, if Obi-Wan oh, wasn't wow. just, like, messing around to kind of, like, just help the two of them out. What if he'd actually been Ahsoka's master? Like, that would have been... I mean, that's, that's like, a whole uh, what-if story right there that would yeah. just be fascinating. Like, you almost wonder if things may have gone better, though, because if Obi-Wan was focused on training Ahsoka, first of all, Anakin yeah. doesn't get attached to Ahsoka. It's easier for Anakin to no longer be as attached to Obi Wan because he's off with his new Padawan, so he loses two of those very deep connections that sort of fuel his anxiety later on. And you almost wonder if maybe maybe things would have been different. It just it, it just depends on who his master would have been, and like from what we know, again. Prequel or Jedi Order. Yeah. Not really the greatest. Not in at terms all. Of, uh, no. Hierarchy and uh, emotional awareness. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, my my ideal would just be resurrect Avar Chris and uh, have her be <laughs> Anakin's chapter. Because, like, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I truly believe 100% if Anakin was in the High Republic, he wouldn't turn to the dark side. He won't. No, I, mean, he he really won't. Better off. I think yeah. they at least make it very clear that if Qui-Gon had survived, Anakin's fate would be much different. Mm-hmm. So... yeah. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, it's it, called I mean, Duel of the Fates for, the re- for yeah, a reason. Exactly. Well, very similar yeah. to how Anakin was all like, you never would have made it as Obi-Wan's Padawan, but you might make it as mine. That's oh. sort of how that was, Anakin that was, was a quote with I Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. Yeah, it's such a poignant moment that scene, like because you've had the whole sequence of them bickering, uh, like while trying to destroy the generator, and then you have, and I think that's the first time you hear Ahsoka's theme playing yep. the soundtrack. Yep, and it, it's, is. It's, it was a really effective moment just because it's that that theme has been so well utilized throughout the series that like just hearing it for the first time there was like actually kind of gave me a little chill to be honest. Yeah. What were you saying, yeah. Jake, about? Um, I think it was Anakin and Ahsoka or Anakin and Obi-Wan. Oh, I'm just saying how that moment where Anakin is saying that like Ahsoka's better off being his Padawan rather than Obi-Wan's, that that feels very fitting in the similar situation for like Anakin being much more fitting for Qui-Gon's Padawan instead of Obi-Wan's, just because they are very, very different teachers in the in the way that they go about things. And it's interesting to see how, in that situation, obviously things didn't go right for Anakin, but in the grand scheme of things, things did go right for Ahsoka. She learned a lot by being Anakin's Padawan, and she learned 
not necessarily lessons that he taught her, but lessons that she was able to take from the situations that he was in and the things that he would ultimately do. And that would help lead her to being a much better Jedi later on. So yep. I find that comparison very, very interesting. Yeah. And, and to like add to that, and to add to that, like it, it's Anakin mentoring Ahsoka, getting to see Anakin's dynamic with Ahsoka, starting here and then going through the series. It's really vital, I think, because to, to understanding Anakin as a character, because my opinion when I started watching the show was was kind of like, oh, actually, I kind of like Anakin now because I, I was never like a huge fan of him in, in the movies because uh we we often see the movies show his like his darkest moments his lowest moments like you mm -hmm. see him go through immense loss in in episode two and basically just lose everything in episode in episode three so getting to see him more in his element here as like a both a, both a capable jedi and uh, a sound like tactician and warrior who like you know he he's he's a capable commander but he also knows when to like question authority and to like be a bit you know be a bit more unconventional with like how he how he uh engages the enemy uh it, it's it's really vital towards like understanding him as a character and it gives like some much needed weight to like his later fall to the dark side and like mm -hmm. the, the tragedy in inherent in that that you might not have got from the movies necessarily it really does there's a lot of much needed like context that it delivers i feel like and while there are certain aspects, and we'll obviously get into this more into the actual discussion when we talk about the series itself, there are a lot of aspects that I feel like the Clone Wars could have done better with Anakin. It really lays into that opening act of Revenge of the Sith, where he is, him and Obi-Wan are trying to rescue the Chancellor, where he's playful yet serious, then he knows exactly what he's doing, but he doesn't exactly know how to do it properly. And obviously he has the right intentions and is a great warrior, but, you know, he almost knocks Obi-Wan's ship off trying to knock the buzz droids off and they have to crash land. But the Clone Wars really lays into that dynamic of Anakin and Obi-Wan specifically really, really well. And I, I've always found that to be super interesting about the series because that to me is like who Anakin wouldn't have been if he hadn't had such dark things happen to him throughout his life. Exactly. So we, we get introduced to Ahsoka, and we immediately have those dynamics uh, that become key to the rest of the series, being with Rex and with Anakin. Rex, right off the bat, you know, we get that iconic, you're stuck with me, Sky Guy line, and, you know, Anakin and with Snips <laughs> and Sky Guy, you know, the, the ultimate buddy duo, but you just see Rex crack up, like, right after that, which I, I love, and it's just the first real moment that the two have with each other. Uh, because, you know, obviously all the talk with Ahsoka at the beginning is, oh, it's the, who's this youngling? Uh, which yep. she's 14, which like, I always thought younglings were a lot younger than that when I was younger. So that kind of threw me off, but I do want to talk real quickly because Ahsoka gets introduced and I'm like, ah, it's the fucking tube top. And I, oh. I hate this look so much. guys. I it's, just, it's horrible. It's it so is bad. so much it's worse after that recent Lucas thing that came out where he's like, no, put her put her in the tube top. I'm like, no, George, oh, what are you doing? That's a child. Well, there's yeah. like concept art of her that's been floating around the internet for years, obviously, where she's like wearing actual clothing. And it's like, 
Dude, child aside, she's literally going into a war zone. Why is she wearing a, just a piece of cloth? Like, yeah. I mean, that was my exact thought. Like, even even like as like a fourteen year old myself, like watching watching the movie, I was like, that that seems a little like skimpy to be wearing into like battle. Right. Really, just like a tube top. Well, that's that's George's specialty right there. There's a couple <laughs> George Lucas specialties, but that we see in this movie. But that's one of them. When she gets the redesign in season three, it's so much better, and and that's oh, uh that's really that, that's the uh th- that's what I picture in my mind when I think of Ahsoka. I, I don't think oh, of this same. early. I don't think of this early stuff. But... I saw a great piece of fan art somewhere, and she was wearing a similar outfit, like on the bottom half with like the skirt and the little like draped cloth piece, but it's like a white undersuit with like a brown reddish robe over top and she's got like the gloves that sort of mirror Anakin's left glove and it's just such a better look like she just looks more like a Jedi in the prequel era and it's I really wish they had gone with something yeah, a little bit more along those lines great like I wish they did that I would not mind seeing Ahsoka in High Republic mission gear I would not mind seeing literally any Jedi of the original uh, prequel era in High Republic Jedi y- gear. Yeah, Yarl Poof. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yarl- High Republic's goaded. Oh, yeah. yeah. Obi-Wan 100%. in like High Republic gear, just like, yeah, awesome. We just yeah, need I'm- like a side comic where it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to, you know, wear the High Republic stuff. I'll be like, all right, well, cool. speaking on clothing, I feel like I'm probably the only person that thinks this way. But for me personally, when we look back at the Clone Wars, it's like, okay, it's kind of weird that, like, Anakin and Obi-Wan wore their armor for the first part, and then they just slowly stopped wearing it in stopped. favor of robes. The budget right. the budget increased. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I, I almost like to think, because we see, we know Anakin wears his armored look in the Thrawn novel, which takes place much, much closer to Revenge of the Sith. Personally, I don't like to think that the Clone Wars costumes are necessarily canon, because... Obviously, like the costumes themselves are canon, but when they're wearing them, maybe aren't so. Well, it's a like, case of like you know an animated series where you, you know they're always like, oh, why do you know animated characters wear the same thing every episode? Right, because they're easy cheaper. to animate. Yeah, you don't have to make a whole new model for every right. Single and so I like to imagine that they actually do change their clothes a little bit more often, rather than just wearing the same outfit for a year and then change it for another year and then change it for another year. So I, I'd be perfectly fine if they wanted to, um, quote unquote, retcon uh, the tube top in favor of, oh, yeah, she was just wearing it like one time and then she never wore it again. But because of the uh, animation budget, we just we never changed it. Yeah. I mean, What's, that's a rec- that's a Star Wars retcon I can get behind. Yeah, I can get behind that one. So we then get to their strategy of breaking down the energy shield and, and getting off of Christophsis, which... I really enjoyed this aspect. There is one portion where they're discussing like the tactics with Rex and Rex is just straight up. It was models just straight up unfinished for like a, Oh time. yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that it's happens a couple bad. times though, because later on too, Cody doesn't have like half of his marking. Yeah. His visor yeah. On. He has the viewfinder instead of like the yep. uh, visor that's meant to go over his helmet. I noticed that I was like, Oh wow. And it was like, when- it goes on for a couple of scenes. I think before he, before he actually lands on the planet. Mm-hmm. When we get to Tatooine in particular, like the whole time Kenobi's on there, I'm like, this movie just looks like a PS2 game. Like it just looks awful at that point in my mind. But 
I wanted to point that out. But then we get to, you know, Ahsoka and Anakin, they go underneath the crate, which is a, I really enjoy that. I thought that was a nice touch. But we get to my favorite scene in the entire movie, which is Obi-Wan's surrender scene and his negotiations with the general. Oh, Everything about this. First of all, the, do you have refreshments? I'm like, this might we have alcoholic. some refreshments? Yeah, this alcoholic over get here. Get us something liquid. <laughs> it's yeah. my favorite like, scene. His in name. The whole movie. Being general loathsome, like I've talked, I've probably talked that's, about it before elsewhere. Star Wars is not subtle when it that comes is, that, to like, that's another Darth that's another George Darth Lucas Plagueis, um, like the names Darth of Sidious. Yeah, like come on, like it's so like I I love that Star Wars is just not subtle with this shit. That's this the one one of its gems of it yeah. to me but like i just i love it so much i just need to point that out specifically yeah uh, i didn't yeah. even know that was his name so that's that yeah, um, yeah. That, that's that's yeah. george right there that's, that's like dave like george. all right george what should we name this guy uh, general loathsome i'm like uh, oh, okay general general everybody around him was like great great yeah. job george there we go rick mccallum's like yes this is the best idea ever i don't even think he worked on this show but he's boosting him up and i just i wrote you know obi-wan is the absolute star of the show here uh yeah. like I, I mentioned his swagger that he has during this movie the ventress duel in particular which i i i don't know what i was on when i wrote those notes which we'll get to later but I, this is my favorite scene in the whole movie it's like you're stalling i was like well yeah i thought the the shields would be down by now and then they <laughs> blow it up and he's like oh looks like something happened to your shields oh Jeff. well and like, obi-wan love committing war crimes exactly <laughs> one of my favorite obi-wan moments in this movie was when he and rex were uh their backs were to the super battle droid coming towards them and they're talking about like what to do to destroy the shield and like the droid, the super battle like vault, like almost vaults over the table, and Obi Wan just, just fucking um, like stabs oh, his saber into so the good. droid. Yeah. It's just like it's so badass. I love it. Another yeah. small moment I love was uh, one of the clones trying to punch a super battle droid, like, uh, ah! yeah. and then I think the battle droid just brutal. takes him out. And then that I think brutal. the one thing I like was on Teth. Uh, which we'll get into. That is my glup. That is my gloop shido planet. Um, ah, uh, it looks so good. One of like a note right here. Teth looks awesome. I literally dude. I, I dude. My notes are so cool. love the opening. Love Christophsis. Love the plan. Love Teth. Uh, love the moment where Kenobi destroys the Valdroid. The Battle of Teth is the most underrated Clone Wars battle to me. So oh, for cool. sure. Do like, they yeah. go one of the best ones in the series? Dude, I don't remember if they do. I don't think they do. Is... I don't think the next time we see it is until the Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. Yeah. It is it is such a cool looking it play does with show the jungles and the purple fog and where do I want to use it? It shows up in season three. Uh, it oh. shows up in the uh, episode involving Quinlan Voss and Obi Wan chasing uh, Zero. Oh no, <laughs> Zero the Hut. Oh, oh Zero! We're, finally, we're gonna get it. to Zero. And then is that the episode where like Cad Bane fights Obi Wan with a saber for like yeah. five seconds? That, yep, that's, that's on Tap. That's on Tap. Yeah, I didn't realize I was on Tap. I didn't yeah, realize yeah. I was Tap either, but that is such a great episode that i cannot wait to get into oh, and that's another sure. one well you think about quinlan Voss, which i mean i'll talk about this very briefly because we, we won't get to Voss for a while but he's one of those characters 
where he has such a lasting, lasting impact, but he only showed up for a single episode, which is crazy yeah. to me. I was like, he definitely showed I'm up in nuts. more. And they're like, nope, it's just Hunt for Zero. And I'm like, wow, okay. That's and nuts. he's one of the That's best nuts. characters in the I show. know. So they, and then Dark Disciple is just great, but you know, oh, that's another story. Uh, sure. So they, they, they blow up the shields and then Yoda shows up. And I, I wrote nice of Yoda to show up right after the shields, like go down and after the battles won. And they're like, your timing couldn't have been better. Yoda. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe while the battle is going on would have been great. Did but we get, you did not. <laughs> we get that, that quote, which I don't remember which one of us brought it up earlier, but you know, Ahsoka's kind of bummed out, you know, I, I, uh, and we get Anakin saying, you never would have made it as Obi-Wan's Padawan, but you might make it as mine, which I love. That's really the first real moment the two have. And, and the look on Ahsoka's face after oh, he yeah. says that, it's it was so just heartwarming. so heartwarming. And my my growing pains with the Ahsoka character when I was younger, I was like, ah, oh, she's just really annoying at the beginning. But it's really only in in my mind those few, first few scenes where this is, and and it makes sense because this is probably her first time, you know, on a battlefield like this. It's her first time as a Padawan, so she's like still got that confidence to her. Uh, but then there's there's a a moment a couple minutes later, which I just love, which is when she's talking with the clones and, and telling the battle stories. And Ahsoka's relationship with the clones is, is one of the best in the entire series. And, and to see that straight up, where Anakin's like, oh, you, you know, Jedi are humble. And I'm like, okay, Mr. uses the force to cut fruit. But uh, <laughs> it, it's such a like small moment that I, I just loved. And another thing I want to point out um, before we move on is, is I have this written down a couple times and it, it gets more bolded as we go on. But Kevin Kiner's score is oh, yeah. so good. Dude, it his, oh, his score for Teth, I forgot oh, like, yeah. the rock music. He puts it, it's in when he Teth. comes in with the electric yeah. guitar for the initial assault and Obi-Wan arriving to save the day. I, I used to have those songs. I bought, the Clone Wars movie soundtrack when I was a kid. I had it on my little iPod with like the swivel wheel on it. Oh, and I yep, would have I that exactly song on repeat when I was playing with my Legos. That was like always the go-to yeah. song because it's like I, I, Star I Wars and the, rock music. Come on. Yeah, I got that in yeah. all caps when it shows up. Uh, but another real quick quote, uh, we, we learn of Jabba's son being kidnapped. Dad of the year, Jabba the Hutt, throwing the galaxy into chaos. They're assigned to Teth. Obi-Wan is going to try to focus, uh, go to Tatooine and try to figure out it. But Anakin and Ahsoka are going to go to Teth and uh, get the son himself. But Yoda has a, a proclamation. He says, learning to let go of Ahsoka will be his greatest challenge to master. And that's really the, the theme of the entire Clone Wars series is Anakin's attachment to not only Padme, but to Ahsoka. And we see the beginnings of this in this movie. And... You can definitely see, even early on, how attached and how much Ahsoka means to him in just a few short days of him taking her on as his apprentice. I think, honestly, because with how you mentioned his attachment to Padme, obviously it's a master-apprentice relationship, so this might be a pretty obvious uh, thing to say, but I just feel like his attachment to ahsoka was a lot healthier per se than his attachment to padme which again pretty freaking obvious because like yeah i i don't need to say 
Well, yeah, it was much more of a bro- older brother, younger sister kind of relationship, which definitely. It was great seeing that additional relationship for Anakin because obviously he had like the romantic relationship with Padme, and then he had like the father type relationship with Obi Wan, and so it was n- cool to see because I mean we never saw Anakin interacting with any of his like pupils, like we never got to see Anakin interacting with other Jedi of his age. And so I know that Ahsoka obviously wasn't of his age, but it was more along those lines of like they could relate to each other more because they were yeah. much closer um, in age and experience. And so that that was a great addition for his character. For yeah, like, sure. Anakin's like meant to be like 20 by the time of this show, which is like right. nuts. Yeah. And she's 14, so they're really yeah. not that far off. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like uh, Vanessa Rowe and her Padawan. In Emory, the High yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. That, that kind of dynamic, yeah. Yeah. I, I w- before we move on, one thing I was going to mention, and that's like the, the way Ahsoka saves Anakin from those droids. I liked the Buster oh, yeah. reference. That was very clever. Oh, uh, another thing I wrote down, uh, this like those spinny spider droids, I wish I researched what their actual name was i'm 99% sure that the plan to take them down in this show in this movie was reutilized look at boba fett batch arc. oh bad batch oh. Yep, the bad batch arc from season seven yeah like 99% oh, yeah. sure i need to rewatch because they that. even have the callback with the music in that arc oh, oh that's sick that's i didn't really even cool. I didn't yep. put that together. I was thinking when they had those giant spider droids, I was I got Book of Boba Fett finale parallels, but that's a really good point that you bring up. That's that's I why Seven of the Clone Wars has to be my favorite. There's so that's many great so callbacks good. to this movie that mm. really wrap up the whole series really nicely. I just love it. Yeah. So we get them splitting up. We uh Anakin and Ahsoka go to Teth and we get the coolest, coolest battle ever, while Obi-Wan goes to Tatooine and like I said, I don't know if it was just me, but I hate how this movie looks when it's like the bright, like daylight on Tatooine. The light when it has the off. dramatic lighting, it looks great. When it does, like you said, that sort of natural plain lighting, it ends up lacking like the dynamics yeah. of the real world, yeah. and it just looks like yeah. objects sitting on top of objects and sitting on yeah. top of objects. Yeah, it, it looks, looks, it looks very flat. Yeah, like, not a lot of I, definition. I, I know I, yeah. this movie was supposed to be three episodes and then they combined into a movie, but did it just not have like a feature budget then? And is that why they had these issues? Well, no, because if you look back at season one, the animation in this is significantly better than a lot of season one. Yeah. I, yeah. I think like, they just the, hadn't figured the, out the technology at the time. Yeah. Like, the this obviously was are... very, very new. Yeah, because I don't yeah. know like what this movie like would. Did, I don't know if this movie had like a rush production or whatever it was, but like I said, there are a couple scenes. It was that Rex scene in particular that really I was like, oh, okay. But this one, was oh yeah, that one Rex. I was know exactly like, which Rex moment yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, because I, I I like had to pause for a second. I'm like, let me go back real quick and, and just watch that again because that's just how do you miss that? Um, but the, like the Battle of Teth, it is just everything about it. The Apocalypse Now callbacks, the, the Purple Fog. Uh, I have Kevin Kiner's score in all caps, as we talked about in that earlier moment. It is such a awesome uh, battle just to watch. But we get introduced to our good buddy, Rod of the Hutt, 
the original Grogu, as I wrote down, and he is sick. So Ahsoka <laughs> I mean, he immediately is had he is so, sick. He is and sick. He is Rota, very sick. Ahsoka immediately has a connection to this little guy. Uh, the, the the stinky nickname, you know, we'll, we'll we'll debate that, I guess. But I also put down the sounds Rada makes when they're trying to put him in the backpack and like Ventress or the the droid is filming them are the most horrifying sounds that my ears have ever heard. And I'm like, you see, they, they figured something else, uh, something right we hear with Grogu is they have him make the most adorable sounds ever. This guy, mm, it's horrifying. You know, what if yeah. we stepped on the kid? And then that's the sound <laughs> it would make. Yeah. Cause that's the thing about like uh Rota. Cause I, I he's always been kind of like, he is basic with the context of Grogu and the Mandalorian. He's very clearly like, uh, baby yoda 1.0 like he was the they were trying to I would create say like baby yoda point 0.5 yeah, yeah that, more, like, that, more like that happen. yeah and like he's he, the, i think the main reason why he's not as like appealing a character like like say cute compared to like grogu because even though grogu does like some gross things like eat spider eggs and like and frogs and stuff like grogu's still like cute and he's like and he's sweet like one of the first things we see him do is like try and heal uh din whereas like rota spends most of the <laughs> most of the clone wars movie complaining or like crying or like burping and being just kind of like gross in general <laughs> so, and it's just it's all the more like disconcerting that ahsoka's like oh he's so cute and then i just feel like i'm anakin in this situation where i'm like no no he's gross he's like a just a tiny slug thing gross he does have that really funny moment, though, when they're on the balcony and Ventress is about to break through the door. And he's, like, screaming at them to look behind you at the other ship. And Ahsoka's are like, oh, thanks, Stinky. And he's like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't, I've forgotten about that. That's actually kind of funny. He does have some sort of comedic moments. And, like, the way he reacts to things, like, you, you think of him as just this mindless slug. But he has, like, genuine, like, reactions and, like, brings attention to certain things. He actually is kind of important to the plot. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I say, I say that he wasn't as appealing, but I would totally love to see him again. Like, I obviously, it, you can't plaster a hut all over every single piece of Star Wars merch ever and get people to buy it. Because oh yeah, not not no like a little do that. Yoda, right? Not like a little Yoda. But yeah, I <laughs> no. definitely, I really wish we would see him again. It feels weird yeah. that we only ever saw him in it, this movie. It felt especially very now that Jabba's dead. Like, yeah, yeah. I wonder I what thought... he's up to. I thought it was a perfect opportunity for him to show up in Book of Boba Fett, Boba Fett instead yeah. of the, the Hut twins. But yeah, we never got that, uh, and then the Huts just kind of disappeared. So maybe we'll get him in the future because Falone is the type of guy that doesn't really forget characters. So this yep. is a very strange, uh, you know, not uh, inclusion to not have him here, which almost makes you wonder if he has some setup for something else. That's Possibly. very felony. Possibly. But you know, we, we see Ahsoka always have, I mean, immediately have this bond with the hut, which Anakin just does not understand. And that's got some really nice moments. But we have Ventress show up and she interrogates Rex. And I don't know why, like, Rex realistically should have died in this scene. Like, I'm yep. glad he did. But Ventress kills every other clone she sees in the series. Just doesn't with Rex. So, but Rex had a really good moment where he by like charges after him. 
after Ventress by himself, which is just another one of those. Yeah, Rex is going to be one of our focal characters because there's that, and then there's a scene a little bit later where he just solos a spider droid and just takes it down by himself. It's like you can tell, like, okay, this is one of the guys we're going to be focusing on in this series. So a nice Rex moment there, but Ventress mind tricks him, and we get uh, Ahsoka and, and Ventress fighting for about five seconds, and then Anakin shows up on a giant insect, and Anakin just diving off that cliff onto the giant, like, I, I wish I knew the name of the species, but the giant flying bug is just another just classic Anakin moment that we come to expect in the Clone Wars. And this is one it of the feels very similar to when he's just, if you'll excuse me, and jumps right off the speeder in episode yep. two. Very much so, yes. And on the subject of like Rex, like I see for me, my my uh, head cannon was always that like he actually was able to resist the mind trip because he's not all that weak minded. Because like the thing is, when he when you hear like his voice on the comment, he says Anakin, yeah. and at first it's like, oh right, yeah, that's Ventress. But then I was like, yeah, but Ventress never co- refers to him as like Anakin. It's always Skywalker, exactly. and it's like, and I'm like, Ooh. you know what? That like, was the tell. That was. I was the like, tell. wait, did he mm-hmm. did. Did Rex like actually resist the mind trick, and is he doing that on purpose to alert Anakin? And I was like, wow. And that was the point where I really became interested in Rex as a character because I was like, oh wow, that's that that might not have happened before with like a clone mm. in Star Wars that they actually may might have demonstrated some resist mental resistance to something like that. And and as we later on see, Rex does actually have a, a strong mind capable of resisting stuff, if only temporarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never uh, put that together. That would be another great full circle moment because, again, really is season seven when we see him resist Order 66, like you said, albeit just for a few moments, but yeah. he's able to do it enough to let those around him know, like, okay, something's wrong. And Yeah, that, which no that, other clone enough. commander does. No, right. no other clone resists Order 66 like, like Rex. Just saying. I know yeah. Rex supremacy for sure. Uh, we get Kenobi arriving on Teth, and we get another one of my favorite scenes in the movie, which is his duel with Ventress. Uh, I have that very much bolded here, and again, there's there's something about Ventress and Obi Wan is whenever they share a scene together, you can cut the sexual tension with a butter knife. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, my. I'll just read some of my notes because I I guess I guess I was also feeling I I said the smirk from Obi Wan when Ventress takes her skirt off during the duel <laughs> the sexual <laughs> tension in this battle uh, the Kenobi stance in all caps I don't know what that's in relation to but uh, I think it was when he had his pose near the end but this is such like for the early Clone Wars like lightsaber duels some of them work for me some of them are a bit unremarkable because you know animating these you know super choreographed lightsaber duels it, it can be a bit tricky for the, the the new animation they were working with but this one i really enjoyed uh there was a certain moment in the battle which maybe she's always done this but and i just forgot but when ventress combined her two sabers into the double blade i forgot that that was something she did and i freaked out because i thought that was really cool this oh yeah a it's really cool fight 
It's super cool. I, I she only does it in the movie. I mean, you see Obi Wan like sever the lightsaber, so maybe that's like a reason yeah. why it never yeah. happens again. But yeah, overall, it's a really it's a really good fight. The banter between them is is great. Like Obi Wan is just like in in peak mode here, just like taunting Ventress, trying to like get her to like slip up and distract her from finding Anakin. It's just it's really good stuff. There's also a really great callback to 2003 Clone Wars where when Ventress disarms Obi-Wan and he loses his saber, she goes down for a double overhand swing and he grabs her wrists in the exact same way that Anakin does so in 2003 Clone Wars. Whereas when Anakin clenches her wrists so hard that she drops her sabers, Obi-Wan just throws her off. And I think that that's really neat to show the different ways that they'll handle situations because there are moments in this that I feel like they're almost calling back to 2003 Clone Wars. Yeah. Oh, yeah. References. Oh, definitely. So like, like when Dooku I says do... to Ventress about like revenge, right, revenge on revenge. Skywalker. Yeah, exactly. Wasn't it feels that like the a... original intention too that this was supposed to be a follow up to the movie until they ultimately that, said no. That's what I thought, but um, doesn't Ventress die in the 2003 series? Well, that so... was retconned right away with the follow up comic. Oh, yeah. So... Nice. I mean, I, I th- it could be, but there are, there are a couple things that that clearly clash. But I think it was originally pitched as either a follow up or like it connects, but we're material, not going yeah. to like outwardly bring it. Because I know one of the clone commanders from the micro series was supposed to be Rex, but Lucas was like, oh, "Okay, there's too many characters that start with A in our main." Yeah, cast. they wanted to use Ace from the the comic that went along with the show. No, okay, that's Ace, what it was. Ace. It was Alpha. It was Alpha. That, yeah, that was from the Clone Wars comic that was supposed to be like supplementary material to the show. That was the one where Ventress survived the fight with Anakin. Dirge was also in it a ton. And then Dirge just showed back up recently, and I think War of the Bounty Hunters. So yeah, yep. yeah, he did. Which that 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 was an interesting decision because is he alive? Is yeah, he I, I I haven't read it yet, so I don't know how they used him. But I thought it was just cool that they, you know, made a connection to that show. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's I, really cool to have him back in canon because he is a yeah weird. I'm shocked he never character. showed up in this. Like it I, just. I was that not also one the of their intentions? Yeah, Maybe they, it was. Yeah. They kept wanting to bring Dirge in. I believe uh, he was supposed to be the main bounty hunter in Hostage Crisis, but they they couldn't quite realize his like unique physiology through the the animation because of all the tendrils yeah. and stuff and the healing. So yeah, I don't think it would have worked. I'm yeah, trying to yeah. picture Dirge they tried to make in, him like, human. Clone Wars animation, and yeah. I just can't. It doesn't work. Well, when yeah. you have the animation be that very wooden-looking, like caricature puppet-style animation, you you can't have that like sort of gelatinous, like gooey sort of. No. Yeah, that wouldn't have worked. Yeah. We see Ahsoka and Anakin escaping Teth. There's, they're trying to get to the cruiser, and then it blows up, and they're like, "Oh no, Plan B," which I totally forgot happened. Um, but th- then they gotta go to Tatooine, and you know the droid is sick. I said, "Shout out to the medical droid hologram, like the, the laziest doctor ever." You know, <laughs> eat this. If it doesn't work, you see a real doctor. I was like. <laughs> If it doesn't work, it's not my problem. It's not my problem. Sorry. Uh, 
then you, we got to have we got a, a quick you know toilet humor moment because you know you got to appeal to those kids, I guess, George. Um, but I, I love another thing. We get a lot of nice Ahsoka and Anakin moments, and we really get to see their master and apprentice relationship grow, like as the movie's going, like which I I, I really appreciated and. There's a lot of really like nice touching moments, especially when Ahsoka's trying to like pick Anakin's brain about going back to Tatooine and his his, his history there. Which, well, that's which, a really great moment too yeah. because I feel like again it's something that the show as a whole underutilizes, but that really plays on a on uh, on Anakin's like emotional trauma and like his like mental health. And it works so well, like in the context of the grand scheme of things. And it's something that I wish the show had sort of delved into a little bit more. But it is really a great moment between the two, which she's trying to talk about home. And he's doing his best not to let on how much he doesn't want to talk about it until ultimately he yells at her about it. But it really is interesting to like see the repercussions of everything that he's been through on that planet yeah yeah and also that like the just an unediting standpoint like the the moment when he just thinks about home and you hear like tuscan raider uh, yep. sound effects yep. it's a brilliant editing choice and it's it, it, it it's really clever how they how they're able to kind of intermingle that that darker side of anakin's personality with this more with this more jovial kind of upbeat version that we that we we only saw sort of a sparsely in the movies mm -hmm. yeah they do a really really great job of that here again more so than i think that they did in probably any other portion of the clone wars series like they just it was, it was brilliant the way they wrote him in this movie yeah for sure um so we get back to Tatooine. It's very clear that we're still seeing a version of Anakin that is Shmi's death is still very new, and it's still very it's a new wound, and it's still very much haunting him. Which I again the the callbacks and editing I thought were were absolutely great. Uh, Anakin crashing that ship is another just trademark Clone Wars Anakin moment that. Uh, we appreciate and we we have to always love. But then we get another thing that I think Don pointed out in our, our pre-recording uh, chats. That it is very clear when they were editing this movie of when certain episodes were going to start and when certain episodes were going to end. And this is a, a moment where it's very clear that a new episode was supposed to start when Padme just shows up with 15 minutes left in the movie. And I'm like, yeah. oh, hi, Padme. Uh, <laughs> What a what a look though! I love this outfit that she's got on uh, when she's first introduced when she goes into Palpatine's office. Uh, it's a really nice look, but we get the zero subplot. Um, so I love how stupid Zero the Hut is. I, I fucking love his stupidity. <laughs> it's great. This is I mentioned oh, earlier. There. there are there are characters. That it is very clear that George Lucas created. This is <laughs> this is one of them, <laughs> yep. and it, it is everything. Literally, as soon as Zero showed up, I put "Oh fuck" in my notes. <laughs> um, 
Because again, the only hut that speaks English, he's got to have this camp gay stereotype accent to him. And of course, it's like, oh, no, but he ends up being Cy Snoodle's lover later on. I'm like, yeah, of course. Thanks, George. That's totally what I, I pictured. Um, and then him constantly smoking the hookah. I'm like, okay, so that's why this movie got a PG rating. Um, I just, you know, again, some people like Zero. I am not one of them. No, <laughs> so, so me neither. I just, I, the, I'm like, now I know why I didn't like this. It's just, I don't know. It, 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 it's a, it's a choice, George, and it didn't fully land for me. Uh, but the, the movie kind of takes a, a turn because we're like, okay, so Dooku is the reason why this is all going on, and then we got the Zero the Hut connection, and. You can just tell that this was a, you know, we got to have the Padme-centric episode, which, I mean, I love Padme, so I'm glad she showed up. I just wish she was in the movie for longer than, you know, the tail end of the third act. Uh, But I do like the uh, IG droids that Zero has, and they kind of have his, like, you know, aesthetic painted onto them. I thought those were really cool looking. It is cool to see, like that sort of like underground Coruscant mob boss vibe from it too. Yeah, that's and nice. Like you said, it definitely has the negative portion of the George effect, but also has the positive portion because it just kind of feels like, all right, first we got like, you know, your like war style movie. Now we're into like your like mafia movie. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, it's it's a character that only George could create and there's good and bad to that. Of yeah. What comes but at with the end of the whole... day, we're all glad that he died. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I put. They wait. They, they took three seasons to kill this guy off. Like. Yep. I mean, it, it technically was like what a couple of weeks later in the actual timeline, but because yeah. the first three seasons, the chronological order of those are all goofed. Yeah. It ended up not being until like mid season three that he finally dies, even though it was like I think chronologically like two or three episodes later. Yeah, so there is a lot you can discuss with Zero, and we don't have we, – we could do a whole episode on this guy, but we, we don't have that kind of time. But we see, you know, Zero – Padme and, and Zero, they have their confrontation. Padme is imprisoned. Padme's got her Attack of the Clones Geonosis outfit on, which you can always appreciate. Uh, I, I just love – there was one random moment during their conversation – where they were talking and they were having like a very like serious like mafia like inspired combo and then there's just a twilight dancer just going crazy in the background i'm just like (laughs) okay she's definitely you know she deserves a pay raise there um but again you have those and we see this a lot in the clone wars those like seedy like coruscant bars and nightclubs and this is one of the earliest examples we have which I, i mean coruscant is my favorite star wars planet so i love literally everything about it but again this was another one of those weird moments uh we go back to anakin and he's ranting to ahsoka about sand and i'm like nothing changes uh and our, we it's also find out that our, all r2d2 also does not like sand so they have something in common which we, we which is is very nice but uh another we, we talk about great shots then another really like you can the inspiration is just soaking through it is that shot of Ahsoka and Anakin with the Tatooine sunset, 
beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's great. Um, They do a great job of, again, the cinematography for this being very, very new animation is, is, is just insane. Like the way that they're able to place you into those settings and make it feel like tangible, like it's really impressive what they're able to do there. Yeah. And again, I pointed out how during the Kenobi scenes on Tatooine, I just, I, I wasn't a fan of how it looked, but this, and then especially during the, the moonlight duel with Dooku, it looks for its time. It looked tremendous. Mm-hmm. They really, they're, they're able to do crazy things with that dramatic lighting. It's just like we discussed earlier that natural plain lighting just didn't really work for the medium at the time. But yeah, having like sure. the night, having the nighttime as well for the duel, it really kind of bring. It, they're able to like bring bring some real definition to the characters as well. Like when like there's a shot where Dooku is looking over to Anakin and trying to manipulate him during the duel, and the lighting kind of makes his eyes almost f- f- look black mm-hmm. to represent the kind of like darkness that has subsumed him. It's it's really it's really good stuff. Yeah. And I, and I'll also say like having the the ultimate tension kind of come down to whether or not Ahsoka can defeat the Magna Guards rather than Anakin beating Dooku, it's a clever choice because that's our main point of tension because we know Anakin will eventually kill Count Dooku in in episode 3, unless this is like someone's first experience of Star Wars it probably Mm. isn't, but like for most people, the main point of tension is oh, is is Ahsoka going to survive this? Is like, because we know she's not in Revenge of the Sith, so what the hell happens? You don't know. Yeah, you're like she could bite it in this scene yeah. that was that was a big theme with you know when clone wars is airing is you know soka's not in revenge of the sith so that means she has to die before that movie and it yeah, definitely uh, played out around a lot throughout the but series but Ahsoka, really... throughout the whole show had stakes to her character because we didn't know her fate yes and whereas anakin we knew that you know he was going to find his way to get out of every single battle uh, but uh, you made a great moment. I mean, I, the Magna Guards are another one of my favorite droids, and I, I love, you know, that battle. She's up against three of them, and she's got to take them out while the Dooku fight is going on. But I loved this Dooku fight, too. Uh, for one, them using the Force to shoot sand is... I, why have they not done that before? That just looked so cool. Uh, but you can just... There are very few people that I feel get to Anakin more than Dooku does. Like, just gets in his head. Mm. And that's one of the moments of Dooku's character that I really like, is he just he seems to have a way to just trigger Anakin's rage like many, like most people can't. Yeah. Well, he has to sort of haunt Anakin in a way because if you think yeah. about it, the Jedi that Anakin looked up to more than anybody was Qui-Gon and it's like, this is the guy that trained Qui-Gon. Yep. So I yeah. feel like As that really has to lost. spook Anakin in a way because obviously he, he's always seemed to have his mistrusts of the Order. I mean, we see it in Attack of the Clones. We see it throughout the Clones. We see it in Revenge of the Sith. We even see it in that. Uh, Charles Soule, Anakin and Obi-Wan comic from most 2016 or 17. Yeah, that, that's a nice one. I like that one. Yeah. So to see how you know he doesn't trust the Order, but at the same time, this is the prime example of someone that has left the Order even on good intentions, and this is what happens to them. So that has to plague him in a way. Oh, for sure. Definitely. 
Yeah, like because Dooku is basically like it, it, when you put it like that, he's kind of like the evil flip side of of Qui Gon. He's like that dark, darker kind of paternal figure who's able mm-hmm. to kind of stir up like darker emotions in Anakin. And there's also the the more like uh, on the surface fact that he like he severed Anakin's arm. So there's yep. like, there's that kind of like personal connection that that kind of violent connection between them like constantly like Dooku bested bested Anakin in such a horrific way like he cost him a part of himself so there's like there's that constant connection between them that that's like coupled with like something really traumatic that Anakin had already gone through and a, another instance of you know seeing Anakin's rage in full force is when he finally gets to Jabba's palace and Ahsoka isn't there and he just you know takes his lightsaber to Jabba's throat. He's like, where is my Padawan? Which, I mean, we've seen people confront Jabba. I mean, we, we saw Luke do it, but this is like, he, how he didn't just get immediately shot down by those bounty hunters mm. is beyond me. Like, I think it's just really powerful that, again, only a few short days, if even that, into their relationship of how much he's already cares about her. It's like, we see that growth of you know I, I could never have an apprentice to this. It's it's a very powerful stuff. But then while yeah. this is going on, you know, Padme's in prison in zero, and then here comes three PO with a bomb and some clone wars, uh, some clone troopers. Which I I when the clones showed up, I was like, okay, that makes more sense. But if it was just three PO with like an explosive to save the day, I, that would have been absolutely hilarious. But those clones look really cool too. Near the end, like the the red armor. Yeah, the the original Phase One uh, Coruscant guards. Yeah, those those are really nice looking. Uh, I gotta get uh, something of them because those yeah. are really nice looking. They look uh, sick. Yeah, we find out, of course. Oh, Zero, you know, conspired with Dooku to kidnap Jabba's son. All right, go away. Um, and then. We see Jabba at the end have the most like mood swing centric thing I've ever seen. So he's like, Oh, you saved my son, now you're gonna die. And then Padme shows up on the hologram and it's like, No, zero conspired against him. Yeah, and then Jabba's like, Okay, the Republic has this treaty and they can have fair access through Tatooine. And he's like laughing with them and joking around with them. And I'm like, how do you go from such extreme emotions in literally two minutes? I mean, he smokes a lot of spice. He so does that's smoke a lot of spice. Yeah. You saved my son. Now you're going to die. <laughs> yeah, when you're a 600 year old mafia boss. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think that's where the Padme subplot feels the most extraneous because you could probably cut that out. And it and it wouldn't necessarily have an impact, but there kind of needs to be that that whiplash of like Jabba going, "All right, well, yeah, I'm going to kill you now, even though you've saved my son," because you you need to justify Padme coming in and being like, "Oh no, it was your Uncle Zero. The Jedi had like the Jedi are cool." Because <laughs> otherwise, then, like, it's it like out, has nothing to do with it. But I would have expanded it a bit more. Like I wouldn't have just had it be contained to the final. 15 or 20 minutes of the movie. Like yeah. I would have had that going on maybe the whole time as we get kind of it like could a mystery have been subplot. More like that attack of the clones, Obi-Wan detective yeah. subplot. And I, yeah. that's no. my favorite part of attack of the clones. So I think that will yeah. work really well 
uh, to have that clashing is you have Obi-Wan's story, you have Padme's, and then you have Anakin and Ahsoka's. But then Padme just kind of gets reduced. And uh, again, that seems to be a very common theme with the character, unfortunately. But I really wish she had more to work with here and wasn't with the character that George decided to <laughs> greet us with. Uh, I just... I. I don't like Zero. Um, it's Count Dooku. It's Count Dooku. I'm like, it just doesn't work. Also, Jabba's got a, a mouth on him because he just screams Jedi Poodoo a couple times. I'm like, stop swearing. There's kids yeah. here. <laughs> um, like Kevin Michael Richardson's voice sat I like it. Jabba. I like his voice. Yeah, it sounds really intimidating. There's like a real intimidating resonance behind that voice. Like and probably the best voice of Jabba I've heard. The thing I find great is that uh, in the actual Clone Wars series proper, Dooku and Zero have the same voice actor. So yeah. what? that is range <laughs> right there. Corey Burton has some range. What like Cad Bane, uh, Zero the Heart, Count Dooku. Like, man, yeah, he's, he's good. Wow. For sure. Uh, but then that's pretty much it. You know, we end with the, the binary sunset. Yoda and Obi-Wan show up. We get the you know, classic force theme, but it, it leaves that question is, you know, Rada is such a central character in this film. And th I think he has like a background cameo in another episode. And that's all we see of him in the, the Clone Wars series and really like in the entire timeline. So what's that guy up to? Like, are yeah. we going to see him again? Is there a specific thing that you'd like to see him again, if if at all applicable? Like, where do you think, like, where does he end up? Because we know, obviously, his dad doesn't make it out alive. Did he end up biting in at some point? We just didn't see it. Or is he out there somewhere training to reclaim his father's empire from that Boba Fett guy? So do we know how long Hutts actually live? Because... Jabba's hundreds of years old, but we don't know like what their average lifespan is, do we? I don't think so. So we don't know if it's like a Yoda species type of thing, where like if during the time of the sequel trilogy, Rod is still like an in or like a toddler. Like, well, in Legends, or, they like, can live up to or... like they can live up to like a thousand years. I think I don't know if that's like a canon thing, but yeah, like I I see Rota as like kind of becoming a spoiled Joffrey Baratheon type character, mm. uh, and that would be like how he would fit into like the book, like uh, say a future season of the Book of Boba Fett. But like that's all hypothetical now. I just it would think... be interesting to see how like obviously he would have had to grown up away from Jabba because we don't ever see him again. So if he's yeah. just like, you know, like you said, lived that sort of spoiled, privi privileged life and then just shows up one day like, okay, this is mine. Leave Boba. Goodbye. Yeah. I want I want it, so I'm going to take it. I've been, I've been at boarding school for like decades now. Right. <laughs> I'm ready for my birthright. I mean, I, I think it would be cool to see, but we may just never know. He might be one of those just lost in time type of characters. Um, yeah, like but, Jackson the Leppy. Yeah, yeah, but he yeah, showed but back up, I think. Kevin so. Scott, Kevin Scott is making sure that's not the maybe, case. Maybe Thank four you, years Kevin from Scott. now, uh, Dave Filoni's son will include Rada in uh, season thirty of the Clone Wars when it gets revived season again. 30. Who knows? 
but that is the Clone Wars movie. Like I said, uh, for someone that has not had, you know, a whole lifetime of positive thoughts towards this movie, but loves what comes after, it was the most I've enjoyed it since the first time I saw it back in 08 uh, in that theater. I think for the first arc of the show, I mean, maybe less a film, but a first like arc of episodes, I think it's a nice introduction. We get immediately introduced to, to Rex and Ahsoka. We know those are going to be vocal characters. Obi-Wan and Anakin have a lot of great moments. Uh, Padme has her stuff. I wish it was fleshed out more. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's not as bad as I remember. As a matter of fact, I liked it quite a bit. So I have I have changed. I thought I was going to be the grumpy old man of this podcast for this episode, but I surprised myself. So I really enjoyed uh, looking back on it. And I know you guys, or at least Connor and Jake, had a lot more positive thoughts going in. So it was probably I nice fucking to love this movie, again. man. So I, I fucking just, love this movie too. I, I just really I have like this movie such, now as well. I have such a fun time with it every time I watch it. It's like. It's an animated Attack of the Clones for me, where it's like, I just have such a fun time with it, and I can never get bored of it, so. Yeah. I'm going to echo exactly what you guys have said, because, like, I, I also, like Andrew, had, like, negative, more a more negative feeling towards it for a while, but just, like, coming back and seeing it here, I had a lot of fun with it, and it's, like, I just really enjoyed it, and it's just a really nice, like, uh, setup for everything, like, awesome that's, like, to come with the Clone Wars it's so, a yeah. fun time and it is just something i want to say real quick disney plus make more animated star wars movies just yes. do it please it is such a good opportunity for stories when before season seven got announced i was like okay i think they need to do siege of mandalore on disney plus as a film and then like two days later they announced season seven so i'm like all right i predicted it uh um because there was like no like hint that they were going to revive it at least none that i caught i just think that it, it would be such a nice opportunity not only to tell like those unfinished stories like the crystal crisis Udapa arc but also like literally anything you can tell in a medium and like if you have certain stories that you want to tell but you're like oh i don't know like if this would work in live action it make a animated movie about it on Disney. I just don't get why we're not getting straight to Disney plus films like this more it would than make I a lot of sense for a lot of those remaining clone wars arcs because mm -hmm. what was it? They had like 42 episodes that had yeah. reels and stories. And then they only released, what was it? 12. So Jeez. obviously I'll never sit here and complain be like, Oh, they need to give us more because we have seven like, seasons worth. I yeah, would, I would right. love to see the seven seasons, but arcs. at the same time, same Disney. We know how you guys operate. You'll do anything that'll make you guys money. Just exactly. release the freaking arcs as movies. It'll make you money. You know, dot disciple movie when? Literally, yeah. I mean, that's a that that would that's be a story killer. waiting to happen. Or if you just want to adapt like some of the like comics or novels or something, it's it's just such a perfect form that i wish that they bro you know Dathomir is already an s tier comic would not mind seeing it in clone wars season seven animation i Definitely. mean yeah Ma you put maul right there 
you know, he's one of the most popular characters. People will just eat that stuff up. And, and there's such a dedicated portion of the fandom that just loves all of the animated stuff to begin with. And I, I just think, I mean, maybe it is in development. We just haven't heard about it. But I just think it's it's a format that they are just missing the boat on uh, with really not, not just Star Wars, but like all of their properties is... I mean, it's it does, to be fair, Disney Plus is still a relatively young service, but I just think it makes all the sense in the world to tell more stories on there, not just in the, the these these shows, but you know, get some some movies on there. I think it would be a really nice idea that if if someone is by chance listening, take my advice, please. Take all of our advice. Take all of our advice. Give us more animation. It's the better Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. I know there's like three people from Lucasfilm that follow me, but they're not going to listen to this. But if they do, use your power, use your influence, whatever you got to do. Give us animated. Give us more animated Star Wars. Matt, I know you're like the goat to me when it comes to animated Star Wars. Would not mind seeing you do more animated Star Wars projects. So yeah, just putting yep. that out there. I mean, Justin Ridge, who was the I think the showrunner of Resistance, followed me on Twitter at one point. Doesn't anymore. But if you want to hit follow again, listen, you could make some some really cool stuff. But I think that's where we'll wrap things up. I have let me tell you guys, I have been looking forward to getting this off the ground for the longest time, and. Uh, I mean, we started with a with a hefty movie, so there was a lot to discuss. Uh, but I think for a first episode, I had a blast, and I cannot wait to uh, do this again. Same, yeah. I've been looking forward to like like hanging with all of you and just like uh, kicking this off with the movie, and just like I'm really jazzed to like see where we go from here and like see how we all feel about all the uh, following arcs and stuff, like especially stuff like rookies, Obi Wan undercover all of that stuff oh so exciting yeah i'm excited to just talk animated star wars because like even though i grew up with clone wars rebels is just i resonate way more with it and so i kind of like push clone wars off to the side both for myself and both because this fandom likes to overrate everything and so me being the sort of contrarian (laughs) that i am I just decided to be like, yeah, this isn't as good just to spite this fandom. So getting ba- so being able to get back into Clone Wars, which is going to take a while, um, will be fun. It will be a yeah, good time. It's going to be so. a fun time. And when we finally get to Resistance, I'm never going to shut up. Uh, I need to still watch season so, two. Season, I, season I need to watch one Resistance. is so fun. I season two, Resistance. I have things, but season one is, it was a blast. But yeah, so next time we're going to get into the actual series itself. Uh, Like we we talked about before we started recording, it is a bit difficult to kind of group some of these early standalone episodes together. So we're going to figure that out uh, beforehand. Uh, But then after that, we have the Malevolence arc, which we will, that'll be our first true story arc of the show. Uh, So we'll, we'll get that to you hopefully soon we're i'm hoping that we'll have a schedule a more set schedule at some point but i know it's going to be a bit hectic for all of us in the next coming months with like 
work and school and stuff is at least in my case, I'm trying to finish up everything right now. So episode two will be coming hopefully fairly soon, but hopefully around the summertime, we'll have a more set schedule that we can stick to. And once we get a groove going, I think we'll definitely uh, have something figured out. So uh, before I sign off guys, where, uh, what can we check you out on? Do you got anything coming in down the pipeline? Check out the SWEU. Oh, for uh, sure. We all write for it in various capacities. Um, Definitely. Yep, absolutely. It's a great yeah. community to like be a part of, and like uh, the stories that are all coming are like really exciting. Uh, you will, you, just speaking personally, I, I have a Twitter handle uh, at Donovan Mead. That's my uh, Twitter handle. And there's also, I also have a, a Donline Dude YouTube channel. <laughs> Not a lot of content on there like right now, but uh, I'm working to change that. Um, so for me personally, you can find me on Twitter at Depa Banana, where I talk Star Wars and other stuff. Um, Nerdic- uh, I also co-host another podcast called the Nerd Academy Podcast, where we talk everything in nerdum, specifically the Star Wars Star Wars show which is Knights of the Nerd Republic episodes release Sunday at noon. Every time we have one, uh, we do news theories, interviews, hoping to get a few dope interviews in soon. Um, and yeah, I'm also part of the SWEU. I write articles on the website. I also am in the process of writing a few stories. Uh, you can pretty much figure out, I have two stories coming in August about an established character, and I'm pretty sure y'all can figure out who it is. Uh, you can find all that at SWEditorIG.com and SWEditorIG.com slash SWEU. We have some stories published already by some great creatives that Jake, I, that me, Jake, and Don have worked with for over a year or two. And it's just such a fun fan universe because we, we keep to the canon while also adding our own stuff to it. Yeah, what yeah. Connor said. <laughs> also what Connor said. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a really nice community. Uh, I am not a part of the story group at the moment, but I have been writing articles since I think we're going on two years. And it is just such a nice community uh, such a welcoming, fun group of Star Wars fans. Join that Discord if you haven't yet. It is such a great time, and we'll for sure get Austin on here at some point to gush about Clone Wars with us because we'll have a great time. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Starlight Andrew. Uh, I'm hoping to get a Twitch up and running fairly soon uh, in time for the new Lego Skywalker saga because I want to make some content with that. Uh, but yeah. Uh, thank you all for listening to the first episode. Well, we thank you for joining us, and we hope that you continue on our journey down the rabbit hole of the Clone Wars with us. So, thank you for joining us. May the Force be with you for light and life. See you guys next time.